Shut up and sit down. Totally gonna go vegan this season. You shaved your legs? Does shaving your legs really make a difference? Man, shaved legs make such a difference. Look at that guy with the hairy legs. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Optional listening required. Totally going vegetarian this season. Eating is cheating, man. I think protein is really gonna help me out in my season. Hey, man, do you have a gel? have some lube I can borrow. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Vondering, and I'm here with Lance Friggin' Hepler. Lance Friggin' Hepler. In studio. Welcome to my podcast. <laughs> Wait, this is not my we're podcast. We're here. We're here for you. You're we're here, for, here we're, for me. We're here to support you <laughs> where, in any way. Where are your daily gifts and aberrations for oh, me? Don't, I, I give you, I, oh, you what did. is this? That you Pomegranate you dragon something other? Some kind of. Half drink Kirkland half for drink. your pleasure. Perfect. <laughs> Share some of that spit with me. I think me one of my up. kids was licking that before the <laughs> oh, podcast. Boy, <laughs> Ah, oh, tis right, Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys are looking pretty good today. Not too shabby. Good. Not too shabby. Eh. Eh. <laughs> yeah, I, you, looks versus feels. We're not going into That's that. That's right. We're not going into it detail It doesn't matter here. how you feel. It does not. It what's, matters what's the, how you look. What's the threshold for shabby, though? It's pretty low. Pretty low. <laughs> pretty low. Pretty low threshold. <laughs> All right. And special guest joining us today in the studio, Mr. Ian Gibson. Or should I say, Sir Ian Gibson? Sir Ian Gibson. <laughs> you should. Be respectful, Sir Ian Gibson. Say something <laughs> funny to us. Come on. We were doing this before <laughs> the podcast. Call, call us <laughs> bad you, names. Bad British names. Have you ever heard how the Brits on the GCN show pronounce Kudos when kudos. you what's, what's, what's a kudos? Right? Kudos. Well, <laughs> kudos. kudos, but it's I'm generally it's supportive worse. of the British accent, but because I is that an English thumbs up? <laughs> but not kudos, right? It's kudos. Yeah, it's the plural of kudo, right? <laughs> or not? It, what, whatever it is is wrong. Whatever you just said was wrong. Damn Brits. Wankers. Do you regularly watch GCN? Yeah, yeah, be pretty regular. Yeah, you yeah. like those guys. I, I mean, I watch the GCN show. Some of the stuff. Mm, I watched so this morning. I watched that um, that KOM attempt oh, on yeah. Altuwez. Yeah, that was that, that was, was interesting. That yeah. was quite interesting. The actual Altuwez, or was it the yeah. actual Altuwez? Okay. They they brought five um, amateur cyclists, not professional cyclists, okay. to try to take a stab at the KOM on Altuwez. Was it just like they were anywhere close? I mean, uh, no, yeah. They, it's, it's, it's from the tour, kay. probably. It's probably from it's, like old. Sepkus holds it. Oh, and it really? Was in, it was in the 2022 tour. 38 minutes. 38 Sepp minutes. Kuss. 20. Oh wow. He, like, he was drilling it at the front for his yeah, yeah, teammates, yeah. and he has it, but only has it by a couple seconds because he was hauling everybody with him. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, yeah, they got five guys, but they were all like the best hill climbers in Britain, like okay. national hill climb champions. Because they have that. Remember, in in England, they have that like TT Hill Championship. Yeah, thing. we yeah. need to bring that over here. I think Oregon used to do that, right? There like used Oprah. to be one out there up at was it Timberline? There used to be, but yeah, in in we in England, that. there's like there's one every weekend. There's yeah. like a hill climb time trial. You know, almost every weekend, or at least once a month. Yeah, I'd do fantastic at that right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those, still, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Those guys were not. Yeah, they weren't just your average amateurs. That and oh no, that guy Andrew Feather has a twenty-minute power of something like four hundred and thirty watts. It was, his, wow. It's four ten. Yeah, his twenty-minute power is four ten, but he's only sixty-three kilograms. Yeah. So translates it, to like, like uh, eighty-four six, pounds. Yeah. <laughs> it's like six point four <laughs> watts per kilogram. Dang. And he's not on a pro team, huh? He's forty-one. No, he's not on a pro uh, team. Oh, he's forty-one years old. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And the other guy has the. KOM on the Stelvio Pass. Which yeah, there's an Italian prestigious. guy. Yeah, and his his 20 minute power was like 440. Yeah, but he was a bigger guy. Huh. So they lined him. They had they had the uh, the uh, race director for EF Education came and like coached oh, him. Cool. And like and like set it all up, and they all worked for one guy, and they went for the KOM yeah. on Alpha West. Who so won? You'll have to watch it to find out. Oh. oh. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, I'll remember to do that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ian's going to join us for the podcast today, and uh, yeah, it should be fun. So let's do uh, let's do a podcast, boys. What are you talking about, Willis? Bro, what are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> are you talking about? Carmen's in there. Well, the little thing over here asked us what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about some coaching stuff. We're talking about coaching. All things You're talking coaching. about coaching. Why <laughs> are we talking coaching. about coaching? Oh, I don't know. Ian, I think you might be a coach, right? I maybe. Ian? <laughs> yeah, may have Sir Ian. started a coaching business. Yes. yes. Ian is mm-hmm. actually under, well, he's under his own umbrella, but he's a part of the dialed gang here. We've got him like a part of our little growing group of uh Cycling and triathlon coaches, and Ian is heading up the cycling component of it, and uh, he's got some stuff he wants to share with them, and we've got lots of questions, and it should be a a neat little conversation, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So why don't you just give us just a brief background on yourself, um, you know, what you've been doing in the cycling world and kind of what your goals are with uh, your coaching program and who you like working with and who you don't like working with, and... (laughs) Lance I like working with, with Lance Hepler. Yeah. No one at this table. I'm yeah. not, I'm not, not everybody's. Not one I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I get it. Right. So you would be you be tough to coach. Yeah, just tell us a little I'm bit not. about yourself. Okay, so uh, I've been cycling for a very long time. Um, I'm 62 now, so going on 50 years of cycling. Okay. But T- time out, real quick though. Mm-hmm. Ian is that guy that we've referenced many times on the podcast we before. Have about that. You put a helmet yeah. on him. You put sunglasses on him. You put him in a kit and you put him on a bike, and he just goes like a freaking rocket ship. And I'm not kidding you. You would never in a million years guess that, Ian, you just said you turned 62 not too long ago. You'd be like, oh, this guy's under 40. Uh, easily. And, I yeah. mean, he's out there at PR mixing it up. Yep. And too he, kind. Huh? You're too kind. No, I'm not too kind. This is These are facts. <laughs> Ian is a decade older than me. We had a team ride this weekend. He kicked my ass. I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Ian can still drop I the hammer. My own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he can yeah. you know, mix it up in the crits. He can mix it up in the time trials. He can mix it up in the road races, um, the circuit race. He does it all, and he does it all extremely well. 
not for nothing, Ian, you're an inspiration to a lot of us, myself including. Well, yes. Thank you. And that's because, like, I, you know, I'm 48 years old, and like, Ian's he's 14 years older than me, and I've got that many more years of potentially, if I don't kill yeah. myself in the process or completely have everything fall off me, I've got a lot of years of still like training, riding, being competitive. And he's, I, I've known you for seven years ish now. Yep. And you're still getting faster, dude. What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. Am I getting faster? <laughs> um, I feel, actually, I feel like I'm fitter than I've ever been, for sure. But um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of fast guys my age now. It's, it's, it's a thing. I was at national championships two years ago and lined up with 50 other guys exactly my age group. Yeah. And it was totally inspiring. Yeah. They are fast as hell. And what that, a testament to the sport yeah. that we call... Yeah, our, for our sure. favorite cycling, you know, mm -hmm. it's uh, fantastic. I, I know that, you know, with you, Jake, uh, you know, you've been going through um, some issues after the big crash you had a few years ago and health issues with your shoulder and whatnot. And I, I keep saying, well, it's not over. You know, if you, <laughs> if you, no, if you can get through this rough patch, then look at me, you know, you 14 years, yeah. you still got time to, yeah. I, I haven't yeah. given up. Yeah. I, I just, it gets frustrating. It's uh, coming up on five years of like dealing oh, yeah. with something constantly. Mm -hmm. And certain things have gotten better in certain respects and some things have gotten worse and yeah. new things have come on the horizon and it's just always something, but you know, you just have to keep your head up and you've got to like have a plan and just try and execute as yeah. best you possibly can. And I've been there. I've been in that stage as well where life's thrown curveballs at me and prolonged, um, periods of you know chronic back pain and all kinds of issues but there's light at the end of the tunnel you can come through this and cycling's really saved me you know oh, yeah. what i mean it's it's a good community to be yeah. a part of as oh, well yeah for yeah the community side of things is, is probably the most important thing to me right now yeah. all mm -hmm. the people i've met and the, the friends i've got through sure. cycling and the, the the good times yeah yep Cool. So, so back to you as a coach, you've been cycling for decades, you know, for the better part of your adult life, and you've been in the competitive ranks. I mean, how how much racing did you have before you and I met? Because I know that you were just kind of getting into yeah, it then. Yeah, not a whole lot. I'd done, um, I'd done some mountain bike races and a couple of little time trials. And I was living um, for a long time in the south of Germany in a community called uh, garmisch Partenkirchen. Which is great, you know, as a skier and um, rock climber and so forth. But there wasn't a whole lot of cycling there. Um, we, you had to travel quite a way to go to races, so I didn't do too much of it. Um, but having, after coming over here, you know, I, I was in my mid-50s and I, I, I'm like, I've been cycling a long time now. It's I'm either going to cut it out and get onto something else or go up to the next level, yeah. ratchet it up. So... Um, you know, I checked a few things out, and there's, there's a vibrant racing scene here, and yep. I just wanted to be a part of it. You chose wisely. D didn't you yeah. guys know each other before dialing, dialed cycling existed? Because there was that other team. Yeah. When I first moved here, I didn't what know a soul, and I went out and just started riding, and then slowly but surely you start to meet people. Yep. And then one yep. day, I get somebody pings me on uh, on Strava. It was uh, David Salzberg, actually. Right. <laughs> He's yeah. like, hey, 
uh, I've been watching what you've been doing all over Orange County on or Orange County. I'm sorry, all over Clark County on um, Strava. He's like, I tried looking your name up, but I don't see any race results or race road race history from you. I'm like, it's because I have never done any road racing. <laughs> and he's like, you're too fast. He's like, would you be interested in coming out and riding with uh, me one time? And we can talk a little bit more about this team. I think that you'd really enjoy it. So mm-hmm. went out for a ride with him and. He started talking to me about Monster Media, and That's right, it was, uh, yeah. the next thing I know, I was out doing a team ride with those guys and uh, met a bunch of really cool people and had a blast, and that's where he and I finally connected. Yeah. So, Steve Remy's Monster Media. Yep. That was, uh, that was a blast. Yeah. Were you with us on that first ride that I did with the team when we rode out to uh, Vista House? Super no, windy, blustery day. No, I missed that one. Yeah, that was the first time I rode with uh, Jordan Rickards, and yeah. he and I, oh. we didn't know each other. We didn't know anybody else, and I thought he was on the team, and he thought I was on the team, but it was both of our first time going out there, and there was a couple other guys who were in the same situation, and man, did we tear each other's legs off going up to the Vista house, and it was like, it was a massive east wind riding into that. Even just riding out on Marine Drive, it was just like a ton of work, but we had a bunch of people. When we came back down, <laughs> we jumped on the Marine Drive, Oh my lord, that whole stretch, Jordan and I averaged like 34 or 35 miles an hour, oh just the God. two of us. We dropped the entire team and we were out there flying and trying to push each other so hard and trying to get the other one to break. But we were just kind of like laughing and like, all right, we're just going to do this together. And I think I ultimately ended up getting the K run by like two or three seconds at the end. I don't know how that happened. And I'm like, that that's pretty cool. Then a couple of people were like, oh my God, you took the KOM on, on Marine Drive. I'm like, yeah, I guess. And then it was probably three or four hours later. I get this, uh-oh, you just lost your KOM to Joey Joe Jr. Shabadoo. Ah, he went right out. <laughs> oh, funny. We took the KOM from him, and he went back out. He rode the East Wind, and he took it back, and that was the first time I ever saw his name on Strava. I'm like, that's a curious name. <laughs> and, you know, fast forward a, a year later, he's he's on our team. He's on, yeah, like all of those people, I mean, that you mentioned end up riding for Dialed. I mean, I know Jordan's in Colorado now, but he was He's on the team for back. a while. He's moving back this summer. Really? Yeah. 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 And uh, Steve, oh. who was the team yeah. leader, he's he's now down in Southern California. Living in the town that I grew up in, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. which is like a and crazy thing. Kicking so. ass in the local crit scene. Yeah. 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 So. And he's got a He's got a good coach, I think. So. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> What's his coach's name? <laughs> Ian. Yeah, that would be Ian Gibson. Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve's a good guy. He's uh, sweet. He's strong. That dude can throw down some big boy watts. Yeah. He's in his early early mid fifties somewhere in there. Yeah, I looked. He's yeah, he's in his like mid fifties. Mid fifties. I he's, looked on um, on um, Training Peaks. They have this new feature. The um, Stack up, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? No. Anyway, it tells you how you compare with other people. Okay. Basically, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, yeah, he's in the 99th percentile when it comes to five second power. Wow. 1700 something watts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a few watts, a <laughs> couple. A few watts. Wow. <laughs> I think he was an ex um, speed skater, apparently. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So yeah. Um, anyway, anyway wow. so fast forward to now, you you race with us on Dialed, but you're now coaching people, um, which is pretty fantastic. And I, that really kind of made me happy to hear. And w- what are your goals with this uh, with this coaching program? And you're calling it what? Dialed Performance Coaching. There you dialed go. Performance yeah, Dialed <laughs> Performance Coaching. I'm mooching off of your branding. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's here for all of us. Anyway, so tell us about the, the coaching program, what your goals are, uh, who you like working with, and just where you see it going. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty low-key. I don't have huge ambitions to have a massive client base. Um, it's 
definitely I'm trying to move away from my uh, full-time job as an aircraft engineer right now and um, get a little income on the side. But I feel like I've got a lot to bring to the table, uh, especially when it comes to sort of people like me, uh, masters cyclists, masters racers, people that are, you know, maybe like you said, have been cycling for a long time and want to pick it up, improve their game, get the best out of what they do. Well, we talked about this before the podcast, and, and everybody knows that there was a huge cycling boom. As soon as COVID set in, huge cycling boom, because everybody couldn't go to the gym anymore, and everybody wanted to get outside. So a ton of people went out and got bikes. Yes, a lot of those people, they have like very expensive garage ornaments now or have sold that and moved on to something else. But there's a fair amount of those people that mm-hmm. stuck. And there's a lot of those people that have fallen in love with the sport. They've gotten a little bit faster, and now they're like, hey, What's all this bike racing stuff that you guys talk about or that you're doing? Or what what can I do that's more than just going for my little weekend warrior ride? A lot of those people are floating around. We see a lot of those people at our local rides that we put on. And I think that you're like the perfect fit for those people. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the other phenomena that's coming out of the uh, uh, COVID period was that so many people have got into indoor cycling, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, using uh, platforms such as Swift and um, stationary smart trainers. And that is really interesting. It works really well. There's, there's races and, well, all kinds of things. But it really fits in well with structured, pro, uh, structured training as mm-hmm. well. Um, uh, I found this out through uh, working with a coach myself is that it's, it's a beautiful thing to have the online training platform, a coach that can build the workouts for you, and then you just load them in to your um, laptop or whatever you're using and, and do the workouts. And it's just a, a super a plug and really play, yeah. plug and play, easy, uh, very, very effective way to to do intervals or whatever you're doing there. Are you using Training Peaks as your kind of primary tool for plugging in workouts and also extracting that data to, to, to analyze afterwards? Exactly, yeah. Okay. So Training Peaks is is um, it's a great is tool. Core to it all, absolutely, yeah. So oh. I can prescribe workouts. Um, the client can pick up those workouts, execute, do them or not, you know, and yep. then I can see, I can analyze all of the data that comes back from that. Um, you know, offer encouragement, um, use it to build the rest of their week out or the rest of their month out um, based on on what we see. And mm-hmm. they can use it as giving feedback for those rides. You know, we the communication is a, another big thing. They can they can tell me when they're available to train, uh, how they're feeling, if that workout I just set was a little beyond them or not sure. hard enough, or all of this stuff. I mean, it's. It's, um, yeah, it's a great tool to use for sure. Cool. You know, I found that, uh, I certainly I, I love to ride my bike. I ride probably every day. I ride too much. I'm fully aware of that for my age and for my athletic ability. I probably ride too much, but I find that if, if I have a set of intervals that I really want to accomplish and it is so much better to do it indoors on yep. my trainer than outdoors. And I, I hate to admit that because so if, I, fun. if I could avoid riding inside entirely, I would. But you know how hard it is to do like a, like a legitimate power set 
when, you know, outside, when you're dealing with traffic lights or stop signs or hills or, you know, it's yeah. hard to find a good section where you can think about do all the things. thought process that goes into, I mean, I don't know if we do this as much as we used to, but it'd be like looking for that 20 minute FTP test, right? Where right. it's like, it's hard to find a spot. Where do you find a spot? Because where, where, you can't have stoplights. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you really want like a, in an ideal world, you want a long, gradual climb where you can grind. And there's only a few, you know, certain locations for that. Or right in your house, right in your backyard, right, right. in your garage with, a, you know, smart trainers. Yeah. Smart trainers are good you for a lot of things. Outside, I mean, I, I like to set or, or do shorter sort of VO2 max mm. intervals, sprints, anything 30 seconds up to a couple of minutes. You can find terrain to do that on yes. but it's like you said with the with the 20 minute stuff or the longer intervals especially if your coach wants you to maintain a certain power for a certain amount of time at a certain cadence you know and you're trying yes. to juggle all that while the terrain is changing yeah. it's it's difficult it's really hard it's doable you know and um you know there's a there's a lot of people that do all of their intervals outside but um yes yeah you know but they, they just on um, indoor training, the smart trainer thing makes it so much easier. You can just set it on erg mode, exactly, yeah. and yeah. you just keep up with it. Yep. You just have to keep just keep on top of it. Yeah. Just turn the pedals. Yeah. So I, I find that that's yeah. if I have like importance. If I'm doing like an endurance ride, I'll do it outside if if I can. But if I have, if, but if I have certain interval sets, then no, I'd, I'd rather do them on the trainer. Even if it's nice outside, I'd rather do it on the trainer because yeah. it's so, you get the work done that's prescribed to you. Yes. And that's hard to admit. And, and you know you're an obsessed, obsessed cyclist when it's sunny outside and you're on, yes. on the trainer doing... <laughs> I, I sometimes hate myself for doing that when, intervals. I, when I'm like, oh, it's so much easier just to go hop on the train. I almost don't even want to post it on You're like Strava because guilty. I'm embarrassed because it's nice out and I rode indoors. <laughs> I've got a question for Lance and this will segue into something for Ian to talk about here. And I think I have a pretty good idea as to uh, what the answer is going to be on this, but what holds, what, what do you use to hold yourself accountable? You don't have anybody looking over your shoulder. You only have a program that you follow on training peaks. What, what, Makes road. Lance Hepler, or, yeah, trainer road. Sorry, what makes Lance Hepler tick when it comes to getting the work done, to do the workouts, to achieve them and 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 pass them, and know that you're going to give it your all. Uh, well, that's very internal for me. Okay, that's um, that's one thing that I think, and I think there's a second component to this as well. But I, I'll see if you nail this one down. Part of it is that it's very internal. The second thing is is when I'm in a race situation, yeah, and the the race just goes away from me. Yeah. <laughs> it. I see it rolling up the road and I can't stay with it. You know, I've been in that situations dozens and dozens of times <laughs> where I thought I was in this race and it's, and I'm doing well and it, it just goes away from me. I, I think it's the motivation to try to stay in that lead group. Gotcha. I think there's another thing that kind of holds you accountable a little bit and that's Strava. Because you know you uh, get to post sure. it on there, and you know if you're going to do a workout, you're going to call it a workout. And you know yeah. that in the back of your head, you're probably thinking, oh, everybody's going to dig in. They're going to take a look at my power profile. They're going to make sure that I nailed all my numbers. Nobody ever looks at any of that stuff, no, or almost no nobody. But but you want to see the pictures, though. But just knowing that you're putting that out there, for me, not for nothing, you're not the only one. I, that That's for me sometimes, too. If I know that I'm going to go out and do a hard workout, I know that all right, I get to post this, and it... it obviously you have the ability to take it down if you want, but it's just going to live there. And that's just a, 
an entry into your, you know, the book that you're writing about your cycling career. And I don't want to write crap. I want to put good stuff out there. And I want to, you know, if it's just for me to go back and look at in two, five, 10, 15, 20 years, sure. I want to know that I gave it my all. Uh, yeah. Strava is a huge part of my life. I hate, <laughs> I hate to admit that, but I'm a complete Stravaholic. Yeah. I, I spend too much time and this rolling is, through there or whatever. This is the river you and I swim in. There's a much more productive way to go about this, and that's to actually have a coach, a, yes. a human with emotions and intelligence and uh, the ability to rationalize stuff and, and to look at it objectively. They're working with you, and that's where Ian can step in. And you know, not for nothing, he should be coaching both of us. But Ian, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's, there are several ways to approach it. I mean, if you're getting serious about your training, you the, the the most cost-effective or the cheapest option is to sign up for a training plan. Mm -hmm. And some of these plans are are pretty smart. You know, they've yeah. got adaptive – they have these adaptive training plans now yeah. where supposedly artificial intelligence is, Trainer is yeah. looking yeah. at yeah. your performance and very, adjusting very things. Super yeah. intelligent. They, they, yeah. they know all of these things, and they tell you to do this much, and we'll say it's like 12 or 13 hours, and then Lance's like, sweet, I'm signing up for that. I'm doing that. Take my money. And then he goes out and does 24 hours of riding. Yeah. And goes and does well, like more team workouts, well, and more interval sets, and chases more KOMs on Strava. So yeah, didn't number, say it was smart. number one, <laughs> I said it was a genius. I mean, firstly, Trainer Road does not hold you accountable. Like, they do not. The the AI does not care if you finish your intervals or not, right? It, and the AI does not offer encouragement or. Um, yes, that's correct. Yeah, because and even if it does, you know, you probably get this right. generic corporate. Well done, Lance. You you broke another power boundary. And <laughs> yep. So here's it's not exactly, genuine, is it? Exactly it's not what it is. It's here's like, what yeah. it, here's what it does do. What Trainer Road does is that there's you have progression levels for each of the different um, energy sets. Um, mm -hmm. sweet spot, aerobic power, uh, you know, there's, there's like six different things and there's progression levels. And if you do a workout well, you get a bump in your progression level. It might go from a four to a 4.2 or something like that. So yeah. there is some, something like that, but it's, um, and it, it scolds you kind of, if you screw up, like if you fail the workout, it doesn't really scold you. It says, why did you fail this workout? <laughs> When when you finish a workout and you You're haven't loser. if you haven't done it completely, it asks you why it, it doesn't say why do you fail? It's, it says, Why do you feel you struggled with this workout? And you right. can say, I slept like crap. I didn't eat right. Um, I just am too fatigued. You you get to Well, to be you, fair, you know, yeah. I, I would ask the same thing. Probably probably not as robotically, but But it's not this yeah, you know, you wanna know part of the reason that in person training works so well is that feedback between the client and the coach. So you you had a bad day. I can see the numbers are not what you're capable of. I wonder why that is. You know, is, is there a, a well, reason behind that? Having a conversation mm -hmm. with Sir Ian Gibson is very different than pushing a button that says, I ate like crap. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I pressed the button. And so so that's why, that's why I, I like the concept human of yeah. the human interaction yeah. is you, you'll definitely you'll i you try harder you're you're more right. committed you know as an athlete i i would try harder with a with a live coach dude he's really going to look at this i i need to nail this workout because i know he's going to look at this plus i'm paying for this i want to yep. get you know i, yeah. I want to get my money's worth 
for what I'm paying Ian to do for me. And so I'm going to try to do what he tells me to do. There's that That's a big part of it. For me, I work personally with a coach for about three years and being held accountable was always the, the thing to me. To the me, biggest that, thing. Yeah. Big motivator. A big motivator. Especially if the coach is good. Yeah. If they're just passive and they don't care and it's just like just sending you workouts and they don't really like, seem I, like I'll they care if you yeah, do I'll it or don't. Yeah, I'll complete a workout and then I keep refreshing um, training peaks to see when she was going to comment on if it. She makes, know, if comment. she makes a comment. she makes a comment. And a good coach will do that. You know, they'll, they'll have something to say about your workout, usually words of encouragement. And you mm-hmm. do it, like I said, you don't get that from some AI bot. No. Where... Everything, I mean, it's a computer code, really. It's based on mathematics and based on numbers. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you're dealing with actual human athletes, there's so much more than just FTP numbers or, yes. you know, heart Here's rate. It's- the glaring, you know, the glaring missing piece of having an online training program that I find is that there isn't a race debrief. Right. So I, I do all these training plans, I do all these workouts, and then I go do a race. Well, there's no I, I there's nobody I can talk to that that you, you can know, talk, it's just not gonna it's listen. No, I can say, <laughs> what do you, what did I do here? Did I go way too hard in the first two hours and that's why I blew up? Did I go too easy? Did I you know, and having a live coach to say, Okay, here's this four hour race we did that was on gravel. D- tell me, okay. You just looked at my numbers. What did I do good and what didn't I do well? I mean, having that debrief mm-hmm. is invaluable with a live coach. I don't have that other than these yeah. guys who don't know anything. Yeah. No, we don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> and even better if you get an attaboy. You know, you get you get on the podium, you poach, you poach, your coach posts your podium picture yeah. on the Yeah, it's true. <laughs> social media. When they're proud of you? I mean, when they're proud of real. you. Yeah, they real. genuinely are, yeah, yeah because... Yeah. Part of what you did is is they Rough, had input good, in that. Right? Again, they, they can take some credit for it. Testament to a good coach. And when you have a good coach, you respect them and you want yeah. to work for them. So there is a, a paradigm there that's hard to match when you're dealing with an AI bot or a system or a purchased program. So, yeah. I mean, we're all going to have you know, different spots in our lives. We're all going to have different things that we respond to. But I think, I mean, everybody could benefit from using a coach, just about everybody to a certain degree. Right. And, you know, not everybody has the, the financial capacity to do so. So that's probably going to be one limiting factor. And some people just don't want to be told what to do. And, and that, that's probably the person that needs it the most. But I mean, I just really think that everybody could benefit from having a coach for at least a short period of time to get mm-hmm. them yeah. on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my two cents. I think, you you know, the cost is prohibitive to some people. I think... Um, <laughs> to be honest, that's one reason I let my coach go um, after a few years. And after the racing season was done, um, it was a monthly expense that I just didn't have the budget for. And there is a big difference between, yeah. I don't know what you pay for Trainer Road, what, 25, 30 It's bucks? 20 bucks a month. 20 bucks a month, yeah. Well, so. A good coach is going to be significantly more than that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, you don't have to have a coach the entire year. I mean, you could probably pick your coach back up and and people often wonder like why does a coach need someone to coach them well for all of the reasons that we yeah. just talked about i mean you need to have somebody that overlooks you like just evan you know for the first time has a coach yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. coaching over evan's, 20 athletes evan's a coach and he has a coach and it I makes think a lot of sense it, and it's working really well too that How, just so. shows you that that the um 
how that accountability works, mm-hmm. right? You, as a coach, you know what you need to do. Yeah. It's a question of whether you, you have the motivation to do it. And Evan's super motivated. That's one, you know, he's extremely disciplined in that regard. I think for him, it's also good to have some new ideas. Yeah. And I mean, for you, you have 30 years of experience or more cycling. It's like, that's, an enormous resource for people to lean in on and learn from right within the first year of coaching. You know, that's, that's hugely valuable, yeah. especially when you talk about road racing right. with a bike. Yeah. Cause there's, I mean, there's tactics that I will, I just don't know. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. I've, you know, there's a lot of minimally that road raced. And I think a coach too, it's almost as important, if not more important of them telling you what not to do as opposed sure. to what to do. And I think that might be the the area that Evan falls into a little bit where he needed some help. Like Evan, you're, you're putting in too much here or you're doing too much here. You're trying too much there. I think that based on the conversations that we've had on the podcast with him, when he was talking mm. about him taking on a coach, those were some of the things that he was really working on and dialing back. And he was putting a lot more effort into the areas where he was weakest, and that's his swim. Yep. And he was backing off on some of the running and the riding, and he didn't have to go as hard. I mean, he's got that in his back pocket. So right. why work on something that you're already fantastic at? Let's work on the areas that are going to have the biggest effect or the biggest change. Yeah. So And I see him doing that, and I think it's making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I think his current coaching situation is a good spot for oh, him yeah, for yeah. now. I think that that's a good thing yeah. for him for, for sure. So I think it's worth mentioning as well, that, uh, like you said, uh, especially with a cycling coach, is that there's a lot more than the physiological component, that your fitness. You know, I When we went out um, a couple of weeks ago with the Dial Juniors mm-hmm. and did the work on, mm-hmm. on road race stuff, I was like, I was thinking, yeah, I've got, a lot I can tell these guys, right. you know, because you're starting with basically a clean slate. Yep. And even even uh, a master's racer who's who's done some racing in a while oh, yeah. can pick up things. There's a lot of subtleties oh, yeah. in bicycle racing. <clears throat> a lot of things that you assume people know, but actually they don't. Right. So um, there's a lot of that as well. There's a, there's a lot of the tactical and yeah. strategic mm-hmm. riding that we talk about yeah. as coach clients. Yeah. Racecraft. Race Racecraft. Yeah. Race we briefly touched on pricing. We said trainer road is $100. How much? It's would, $20. Sorry. Does I, did I say $120? It's $100, $100 for $100. five months. That, that was, he was close. <laughs> there you go. forgot close. the five months part. So <laughs> how much are people, should people expect to pay for a human cycling coach? I charge 175 bucks okay. per month. That's pretty um, good. I have no idea what Evan charges. That includes a paid coach paid premium um, training peaks account. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Because that saves you money there. Yep. And then how much of your time are they getting? What kind of interactions should they be expecting from you? And how much programming are they going to get from you? Well, they'll get daily interaction in, in terms of feedback. Um, they'll, I generally will make a plan uh, a week in advance for that week and I can um, um, change it around if, mm-hmm. if needs be. And then uh, each week or every other week, um, depending on where we are in race season, then we'll have a um, face-to-face or a phone conversation. Or You know, when it comes closer to racing season, if there's an important event coming on, there's going to be more personal interaction. And then for the guys that are, uh, are living here locally in the Portland um, Vancouver area will will hopefully get out and ride, you know, once, oh, twice yeah. a month. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's the cool thing about this day and age and being a coach. You can really be anywhere and you can coach your clients. Well, my, my coach, like I said, uh, I got hooked up with my coach, uh, Susan through our friend, Michael, and she lives out on the uh, East coast. So never met her. (laughs) Just struck up a great relationship with her, you know, just, just talking on the phone and interacting through training peaks, email, text. It's, it's all doable these days. That's good. Uh, um, how many coaching clients are you going to call it quits at? Or like, yeah, if, max out. What do you, I mean, what's an ideal number for you to be at? 10, 15, 20, yeah, 30, someone? <laughs> it takes time. You know, it, it's supposed to, eventually it's going to replace a full-time job, but sure. I don't want to replace my full-time job with another full-time job. So yeah. I, t- 10, 12 clients would be... Great, yeah. Sweet. That's, that's what I'm working towards. Good. And that way, you know, with a smaller number that I can, then I've got more time to, you know, get more personal. I can I can spend more time on each individual client. I think if you have a 20, 30 clients, it may be difficult to keep track of every single one of them and offer the kind of service that you sure. say you're going to offer. Sure. Now you've already said that you really can connect well with the masters racer. You've, you've dabbled a little bit with our juniors program. What are your thoughts on working with kids? I was, I was, um, apprehensive about it. I didn't feel like it was going to, I remember when I first pitched it to you and I'm like, Oh, I don't know how this is going to be received. I remember when I used to teach skiing back in Germany, I was absolutely terrified if I got given a group of kids i don't know why but i just didn't know how to um interact with them and of course since then i've had kids myself and i don't know but um yeah we've been out what two three times now yeah i really enjoy it it's fun isn't it it's fun yeah and i and i'm like I have got a lot to tell these guys and talk about, and I enjoy their company too. Yeah. It was, it's been a, a lot of fun. Yeah, they really soak up all of the stories yeah. too, and I've I've had a few interactions with them where you get to tell them some stories, and it, you know that they're super curious when they start hitting you up with the follow up questions and asking more, and just that inquisitive nature, and that that part is what yeah. is a lot of fun to be able to pass that information along. But you'd be happy to know that you weren't able to make the ride that we did over this past weekend, but. Stretched them out a little bit, Good. put in about 40 miles with the kids, yeah. and I wasn't sure how this was going to work out. I thought we were going to break up into multiple groups based on ability levels and shorten up the sh- the, the group that was going to be st- not struggling but not going quite as fast or didn't have as much in the tank. They stayed together. All the work that we had been mm-hmm. working on with them out there at the um, the Vic area that we do the, the mm-hmm. laps after laps, um, they did a fantastic job. I mean, they were out there doing all of their pace lining. They rode safe. They were communicating. Uh, they were they were able to hold on, and they did a fantastic job. Yeah. Super proud of them. I love to hear that. We're we're gonna mold those guys into a really good little race team. I oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And they all, they all did a whole lot better than I anticipated. Yeah. they right. were gonna do. It, it was it was good to see. Yeah, for sure. It was certainly fun the other week when we had them do the sprints and stuff yeah. as well. It was great. <laughs> yeah, but, we had a, f- a couple new faces out there, too, that yeah. were doing a great job. Good. Yeah, funny story. During that ride uh, yesterday, uh, one of the juniors flatted, hit something in the road, um, and flatted, front tire flatted. And it needed, it was a tubeless tire. It needed to be plugged. Mm-hmm. So I, I plugged it with, uh, what were we using? Dynaplug. Yeah, dyna- we plugged it with Dynaplug. And then hit it with the CO2, and boom, she's back up and running. And she was uh, talking to her dad later that day. Oh, this is funny. <laughs> said, well, you know, she goes, well, I had a flat tire, 
He goes, and, she go, and her dad's like, okay, well, we'll take a look at that. And he's like, no, Lance fixed it, and he's been cycling for like 50 years. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's just fine. fine. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. It's all good. I'm like, wait, I haven't been cycling for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first start riding a bike, Lance Hepler? How um, old were you? I, I, well, I mean, I guess college. I started mountain biking college. When did you learn how to ride a bike, Lance? Oh, probably like at four. So she wasn't far off. <laughs> so that's only 48 <laughs> years. <laughs> don't age me. Don't date me. It was 48, not 50. <laughs> oh, love it. Cool. All right. Well, I wanted to talk about some stuff. I mean, we're coming up into the start of a race season here. Um, we're going to be hosting our own bike race coming up in about three weeks-ish, yeah. three or four weeks. And then there's a race the day before that. That's going to be the official kickoff to the race season here in the uh, the greater Portland area. Um, is it too late for somebody to start training now to get ready for a race? Is it something where, in your opinion, do you think somebody could reasonably put in a bunch of work over the course of the next three or four weeks or you know, do enough to be able to be at least competitive to hang in there? And I know this is kind of like a... The softball question. I already know the answer. I'm just curious to know what your thoughts are. And, and I'm just, and again, we have a lot of people that do listen to this podcast that do like riding bikes and maybe they haven't been quote unquote training, but maybe they have been just going out and doing a ride on the weekends or a couple rides. So let's assume that they're not coming from a place of like, I've been sitting on the couch for the last year and haven't done anything, but maybe just casually out doing some bike rides. Couldn't we shape some of these people or inspire some of these people to go out and do some training for the next two, three, four weeks to actually get ready for the race season coming up? Well, yeah, and it depends. Like you said, where where are they at? You know, yeah. In an ideal world, you would have a very strong aerobic base by this mm -hmm. time of the season, you know, with, like you said, with four, <clears throat> less than four, three weeks to go until the first races yeah. here in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Um but also I do believe that, so if you do, if that um, imaginary um, athlete was, as you said, and they're not completely um, just coming off the couch mm -hmm. and they've got some kind of base, you can actually uh, make quite rapid improvements to your top end um, performance, you know, your sort of um, zone four FTP type of area and above those those gains can be made quite quick, quite quickly, um, but um, also they can be lost quite quickly. So that's why generally you make your training plans um, get more and more specific to the athlete's target race as you get closer to them, because those that that fine high end top end performance is only transitory. It's something you can't sustain for a long time anyway so yes you could train up in a couple of weeks train your vo2 max you know you bust yourself trying to get ready for this race and and it can be done because those those high-end gains can be made quite quickly but in an ideal world you're not you you've done some work so if i work my point. ice cream sandwich off i can i can get in there <laughs> <laughs> I can get her done. <laughs> I think you can get it done. Too. Gotcha. Yeah, there are a lot of neurological adaptations, a lot of physiological adaptations that can be made in that short period of time if they've got that base in there. So um, if you're listening to this and you're like, hmm, that kind of sounds like me, which I think that there are quite a few people out there, start doing some work. Start doing some work now, and you can potentially be ready for some of this early season racing stuff. And 
if you're local and you're just not quite ready to pin on a number yet, start doing the work anyhow and come out and check out our flogging rides that are going to start up at the end of March. So we're about a month mm-hmm. away from those kicking off too. And those are a great race priced uh, ride and do a few of those. And the next thing you know, um, we've got PIR starting up in April, if I'm not mistaken. Is that going to start yeah. up in April this year? Mondays. And that's another thing that you can do to uh, you know go out there and work on your fitness. A lot of people will use those as a, yeah. a training day. Yes, there, it's a race. No, there's nothing like a race to uh, for the for an absolute training load. Yeah. And so for everybody, not every race has got equal importance, you know. So sure, the beginning of race season is is coming up. We're right on it. Uh, but you can train through that and use those early season races to enhance your fitness. And maybe the, the goal that you're really interested in, maybe that gravel event or whatever, mm-hmm. isn't until later in the season. Like, sure. You know, for me, one of the, the biggest events I want to get re- ready for is Baker City. And that's three-day stage race, and that's uh, mid to the end of June. So we're still a long way out from that. Sure. Yeah, and it's and now I'm starting to plan how I'm going to get ready for that myself and what four months out so. mm-hmm. from what I understand it's it's really hard to be peak fitness more than two or three times a season they generally have to yeah. be six or eight weeks apart for peak fitness if you're really trying to peak for something so I think that's why the point is if you identify what races you want to do and pick two that you're yeah. that you want to do the best at the other races become B races or yeah. training races. Right. Or so fun within races. training peaks, I have my athletes identify their A okay. being the most important B and C races. Okay. So an A race, I'll have them, I'll, I'll focus all of their training towards that race. And then on the, on the weeks or the week heading out to that race, I'll make sure they taper down and, you know, just get optimal in optimal shape for that one race. And the B and C races, uh, especially when it comes to C, is you, you'll train straight through that. Yeah, you know, you may you may get um, FTP intervals the day before that race because it's you. You just told me you want to do it, but it's not like it's not that the important. ultimate goal for you. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. I have a quick question for you. If you were to you you know all of us here relatively well. I don't know how much you know of like Matt and his training. And Matt's a pretty accomplished uh, athlete in his own right. He's, More accomplished. He's, you put you yeah. put all of us against each other. I come out on top. It's <laughs> <laughs> a true story. Yeah. Pick no, us apart. No Pick us apart. No. What, are, what, are, what are each of us doing right? Do that to me. Oh, no, yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly what we need. I, I, I need to hear lazy, some... fat, ugly. <laughs> Pick us apart. Matt pointed at me all three of those times. Yep, yep that's dead on. Um, no, seriously no, though, brutally honest. Just what if you wanted to see more out of me? Like you're always kind of poking me. Like get out there, register, do your stuff. What do you think that I need to do more of? I mean, you you know enough about me. We've known each other for a while. What are some of my pitfalls? I'm curious if. Uh, you're going to be honest with me here. Wow. Putting me on the spot. Yeah, I am. Definitely. Very much so. <laughs> Brutally honest. No, I can't. No, you're, mm. you're, you were, you have been an inspiration to, to me because of the, the raw power you put out. I mean, whether that's on a sustained hill climb or, or in a sprint, I never keep up with you. You know, I think, and you know this, right? Drop 20 pounds. Yeah. If right. you can. I mean, yeah. that's, Power to weight is everything. You, you've slowed up a little bit over the last year. I mean, you, 
understandably well, it's, it's been six months of dealing with a stupid hip yeah, issue exactly. and his shoulder's still like right right now i don't ever talk about it. my shoulder hurts mm-hmm. right now and it's always like floating between that like two and six pain threshold depending upon yeah. what i did the day before but i don't think i've really followed your training per se and, and analyze what you do i i don't see much i don't see intervals for example i don't see focusing on one particular thing i i see you have an easy hour on uh, Swift or a balls out flogging ride. I don't see much in be- between. Yeah, I, I, I. Is there any structure to your training? It's Thundering? sort of. It, it's it it's starting to come back. I really wasn't doing much of anything after it was it August when I started dealing with those hip issues mm-hmm. again from a, a strain in my quad. And then I uh, pretty much was just like riding the bike for a couple hours a week, four, three, four or five hours a week, just to burn some calories. So I didn't yeah. gain 40 pounds instead of, you know, uh, well, I'm up about, I think I'm up about 12 pounds right now. So I, if I could lose 20 pounds, dude, I would do a backflip yeah. and probably break something else, but I would do a backflip <laughs> nevertheless and be super happy about that. If I could drop another 12 pounds, I think that would be good. Putting me back to where I need to be. But um, anyway, in late December, the doctor told me, he's like, you have a tear in your labrum, mm. you've got all these other things going on. I need you to, to take some time off. I'm, and I've said this before yep. on the podcast. I said, I can try and do that. And I said, I've got a training camp coming up. I think I know my body pretty well. He's like, well, you know, you're going to have to play with that. And, and, you know, we agreed, do physical therapy, do the acupuncture, do the stretching. And I've been doing all of that stuff. I've been able to slowly ramp it up. If I'd taken the six weeks off, I would have been able to start about a week or two ago, uh, just getting back into the swing of things versus the way that I did it was just slowly easing into it and working my way back up to that 10 plus hours. And I've done that. And during that process, I've been trying to add a little bit more structure to the week. So I have done some interval sets in there. I haven't done my normal longer 20 minute intervals that I like to do for the threshold stuff there. And I haven't done my short stuff, but I have been slowly starting to work some of that stuff back into my workout with the hopes that I can keep up with all you guys at training camp and with the hopes that I can you know, get my FTP to increase so that I can go out there and hopefully get second place at the time trial yeah. again for the <laughs> 27th time. <laughs> well, two two things, you know, two comments on that is that, one, you, you're not lacking motivation. That's all of that, um, you know, that lesser volume you've been putting on has, has been situations beyond your control. You know, yeah. you, it, coming back from an injury is super hard and you've been basically doing that for the last five years yeah yeah it's a constant work in progress the other thing the other comment is it is scary how much power you put out considering all of that and it makes me think what is the potential here you know if if i came across a jake von during that wasn't injured that had been doing a structured program that had been going to races every weekend i'd be looking at a Cat one, you know, national level rider here for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> on, no, no, straight up. On on uh, on Sunday on the on the kids ride, we we did we did one really hot section. I've been training focused for like the last two months, like intervals, like three sets of intervals a week. I've I've been pretty focused. Jake still dropped me. Yeah. And I was on his yeah. wheel and he still dropped me in like a 10 minute segment. I couldn't hang on to him for 10 minutes. That's how strong. Jake yeah. Maybe we should talk. <laughs> Seriously, because my hip, I've like I said, I sound like an old man when I'm saying, oh, my hip and my shoulder, my labrums are falling <laughs> apart. I'm getting old. I still have the desire. I still want to go out there. I still want to mix it up. I am sick to death 
of yeah. being hurt. I'm yeah. sick to death of all of the things, but I've made some changes in my like. I don't want to say I don't want to come off and make this sound like oh Jake had a drinking problem. I well, I'd like to drink a glass or two of wine a couple nights a week with my mm-hmm. wife, and you know sometimes have a beer here and there, or like you know you're out with friends and you have a like a whiskey drink or something. I wasn't drinking a lot though, but I've completely like in the spirit of decreasing or getting rid of inflammation, things that cause mm-hmm. inflammation. I haven't had anything since uh, last year, so I haven't touched anything. And wow. my wife and I have been talking about it and. My sleeping has gotten so much better, but I've also been trying to eat better and, and doing other little things to kind of like, you know, decrease mm-hmm. that inflammation response. But I'm seeing positive trends mm-hmm. and all of these little things, if they come together, mm-hmm. if I do this right, I think I might be able to actually like get to a spot where I'm like, all right, I'm a big ball of clay here, <laughs> literally and figuratively. You know, shape that. How do we mold that? And I know mm-hmm. how to do that, but maybe it would be fun for me to hire you as a coach and say, hey, you're going to do what I'm going to tell you to do. And maybe I just, turn the reins over to you and say, all right, let's do this. That could be a lot of fun. I think that helped Evan too, where it was just like, you don't have to think. Yeah. Just do what your coach says. Yeah. And I think that's helped him a good bit. And and when I'm healthy, I'm not afraid to go out and do the work. But the problem with me is like, all right, I am getting a little bit older. I'm, you know, not old by by any means at all, but I'm getting a little bit older. And there are certain things in your life that start to change and, Mm -hmm. and rest and recovery you really like that's super important. You really need to pay attention to that. And that's probably the thing that I that's probably what caused me to have the issues that I had last year. Cause we were doing our Tuesday night gravel ride, which is basically dirt flogging, like dirt yeah, racing. Yeah. And we're going super hard and and then uh, you know, riding, you know, a couple like an hour and a half or something like that on Wednesday and Thursday we go out and we do the flogging ride. And then we go out and do a team ride on the, the weekends mm-hmm. and we're either killing ourselves there or if we're not doing a team ride, we're doing a, a bike race of sorts. And then you mix in like uh, you know, some short track races during the course of the week and all of a sudden it's like that's hard every day. Hard all of the time. And yeah. you start to break down and that's that's probably why I ended up getting that quad strain, which ultimately ended up to the hip flexor and the IT band becoming an issue and all of a sudden the joints getting compressed and all of a sudden that torn labrum is bringing its ugly head mm. and it's just like this this domino effect that really crushed me so i think um yeah and this brings this is a good segue into talking about um um structured training structured training but but the the periods between your training yeah oh, rest yeah. periods yeah that's what i that's the big thing i learned uh through being a, a client to a coach is when to rest when your body is giving you those signals to yeah. maybe maybe you need to take it easy that day. I think perhaps Mr. Hepler here is guilty of that <clears throat> Clearly. to, a, to yeah. a degree, not giving yourself enough rest. And I found my coach, at least, she had a better idea of when my body needed recovery than I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would push through things. I, I had a nagging knee issue a couple of years ago before training camp and I thought I wasn't going to be able to go to camp but me in my head I was thinking but I've got to be in shape to be in camp I'm going to get dropped on day one Mm -hmm. and so I um, was trying to push through that and I ended up making it a whole lot worse so a good coach is gonna a good coach is should be used to dealing with athletes with injuries um because it happens, right? Especially in cycling, yep. it's not 100 percent safe. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, injuries happen all the time, so um, a good coach should be able to help you work through that and, and get you up to speed. Maybe I would. You remember the the very one of the last uh, mass start races you did in earnest before you had your horrific injury? Yeah. 
was cherry pie race yep. down there, and you got into a horrendous smash mm-hmm. at the, the finish line. In the bunch sprint at the yep. finish line. Yeah. So I, I kind of sometimes wonder, you know, there, there's probably a mental component here as well. It's like I'm not ready to. Can I, can I replace one word? Go the, on. Yeah. The word probably. No. There is Definitely. a mental component yeah, yeah, sure. there. Yeah. I get I get worried about that sure. for sure. And and it's because like I got pretty hurt in there, mm-hmm. but in the grand scheme of things, that was nothing compared to what was going to happen to me three weeks later. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, that was my call up to the like, all right, you're racing in the P12 field now with mm-hmm. everybody, like in some people that are half your age, and that was like nerve wracking i'm like i i i was perfectly happy being a cat three for the rest of my life and then i got i got that uh uh-oh email from from obra like "Uh oh you just got upgraded mandatory you're a cat two now you gotta go race with these guys i'm like oh man i don't have the time to do that but in the the same breath i'm like all right you got this you can do it just go out there and see how it goes and and don't go out there with any preconceived notion other than just hold on and do your thing and i did and i made it through that entire it was like 72 miles and i think we were like or 70 miles or something like that you were 200 meters from the less line. than that and yeah. we opened it up and the whole road opened up and those two guys hooked bars i don't i still don't know who it is they went into each other they went down and i went right into them and went flying over the bars and just flopped and slapped the, the asphalt so stinking hard yeah. broke spokes and I, I thought i broke ribs for sure and tore up my kit and all that other stuff and yeah, that that sucked, and you know, going through that whole recovery I remember, process. I remember that because I I that was the one of the only road races I ever actually won, and mm-hmm. I was waiting for all my teammates to come back, you know, and say, "Hey, I won my race." And then there's Jake with his kit all shredded up and blood <laughs> all over the place. Dude, I oh, was, no. I, and I drove us down there. I yeah. remember it was like me and you and Michael, and there was somebody else in the car too. I can't remember the truck, but um, I remember like by the time I got home, I had so much road rash on me that I was like stuck to the towel that I oh. put on the seat. That was oh, that was the worst. But, but it, it really affects you. Like I, I went down in the Vancouver crit a yep. couple of years ago and. Uh, ended up with a separated shoulder and a whole bunch of road rash and it took me a while yep. even to even now you know i think about that every time i i had my bike i had my yeah. kit i had my number i had everything and i was out there like volunteering mm-hmm. running all the pit support for that race and i'm, I'm people are like hey you can race today i'm like i don't know this is looking pretty fun i think i might do it and i had this whole mental block of like all right crits equal crashes equal <laughs> like your shoulder's not going to be happy and you're you yeah. just isn't good and i was just thinking about doing it and and i was watching ian's race and i saw him come around the last corner and i saw him go down and i'm like nope not gonna race today that's <laughs> yeah. not gonna happen and it's been a time with this guy to help like tend to his wounds and looking at his shoulder oh gosh that that looked bad at the time but uh yeah yeah that was a that was a rough one but anyway, yeah, the, the going back to what you're saying, though, yes, there's definitely a mental component here mm-hmm. for me, and I do need to get over that. You do need to, at some point in time, just rip the Band-Aid off. You know, you they always say you got well, one life to live, and there's only there's two ways you can look at that. Like, don't do anything to jeopardize it, but you also don't want to just sit back and be right. complacent and not do the things that you love. I mean, you got to go out and take some chances to try and have some fun and do your best to... to but you know, it, it's a legitimate concern. I mean, that, especially yeah. crits. There's a, there's a risk there, for sure. Yep. So anyway, uh, at the end of the day, I, I think that you're you're dead on. I just need to get back into structured training program. I've been doing the little things. I have lost a few pounds, just yeah. a few, but not not as many as I need to. Um, not that I'm overweight by any means at all, but I'm just not in my race shape, and I can definitely get down. 
another 10, 12, maybe right. 15, 20 pounds, who knows, and, and see what kind of shape I can get in. And then uh, maybe I need somebody yelling at me, some uh, guy telling me some funny things and, you know, <laughs> British humor, call me some bloody wanker. I tried and- <laughs> to. I, I was bugging you to sign up for the Gorge Gravel Grinder, and now it's full. You can't sign up for that. But yeah. I Well, what's the date on that again? I don't know. April twenty fourth, twenty third. April twenty third. It's a oh, Sunday. It 23rd? April twenty third. Yeah. yeah, we've that's my daughter's birthday weekend that oh, weekend, yeah. and we've got family stuff going on. So I, I could probably make it work, but it was going to be one of those things where I I needed to be closer to that to see how it was all going to come together to see if I could ask for that hall pass to go out and race bikes. But um, I've got a lot of family stuff that's on the yeah. books for this year, but I am going to definitely try and work some things in. Lance and I are going to I'm Cascade, doing- right? In yes, the I think weekend. so. I think so. I haven't signed up for it yet. I haven't. But I ought to do it soon. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's that window's closing because mm. I know Gorge Gravel Grinder already sold out, and yep. I think Cascade will as well. But last year the weather sucked at it, so I'm kind of. Oh, was it? It snowed yep. on it, but so whatever. I appreciate your feedback. I'm going to probably hit you up for some some help at some point in time. Talk about putting a guy on the spot. I'm going to put you on the spot on again. Air. There's there's two other guys sitting here with me. Live on air. Tell me how bad we I could, am. This is a perfect time to move on. This is a perfect time. <laughs> perfect time We're, to move on. Yes, we are low on time. Oh, so you're going to... Dodge a bullet there. We're dodging bullets. Mine's clear. I ride too much. I don't take enough rest. I don't rest. think any of us would... But you've been doing more structured work this yeah. year, right? You've been yes. doing intervals. The last two yeah. months, yes. Structured work, there's no doubt that everyone at this table could benefit from more structured work. Yeah. 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 But you, your body makes those adaptations when the tr- structured work stops and you give it a chance to rebuild. Yeah. That's science, you know. That's, that's, when, it, that's when the good stuff happens. Yeah. So you've got to build in those rest periods. Rest periods. Yep. The thing for me is I'm like in... in losing weight mode you know i was 198 when i got back from europe at the beginning of december and i'm like 178 today in just a couple months which is good for me but that takes yeah that takes a little bit of focus and and boy getting that sweat in for a couple hours every day certainly helps that so yeah i don't i don't know if i'm i know i'm not doing it all right but i'm doing Better than I was last doing great. year. <laughs> You're doing great, man. Matt doesn't want to hear it. Matt wants to move on. Move on. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, more structured for my training. There my you training's go. all over the place. Okay, a couple quick more things, and then we'll move on. Um, any more questions for Ian from you two? Anything? Thank, thank you for all the coaching advice. Sweet. Huge. Ian, is there anything that we missed that you would like to talk about? Anything that you want to put out there? Anything that you want to... tell people how they can get a hold of you no, if they are interested. Yeah. Matt's always good with those details. No, I just want to say that... You know, everybody I know are um, compulsive, um, obsessed cyclists like myself. And you got to point out that there is a cost to all of that. You know, there's an opportunity cost of stuff you're not doing. You know, the yeah. projects you're not doing around the house. You yep. know, I mean, time you're not spending with your family. I believe that you ought to make that time count. If you if you want your cycling to take you somewhere, if you if you want to be competitive then make each ride count. Uh, so many people fall into the trap of just going for another ride, you know, just adding up a few more miles. And after a while, that sure, you know, that's that's something, but is it the best use of your time, you know? So 
to make improvements or reach your goals, make each ride count. So what is it you're trying to achieve with that ride? Are you trying to achieve, um, are you trying to rest your body? Are you trying to improve your sprint, your high end, you know, your FTP, whatever that is. So my business is based around that concept that make each ride count for something and uh, you'll find success will follow. And that's another good that's thing good. in working with the coaches. They're going to put purpose into that ride as well. Yeah. So like you're going to make it count, but there's going to be a reason for what you're doing. There's purpose behind yes. it. And it's going to be to build on to the next one, to the next one, or building on this week to the ne- the following week, or building this month onto the next one. So it gets you ready yeah. for what it is that you want to ultimately accomplish. Right. Our bodies are pretty crazy machines that are capable of doing some pretty insane things that you would have never thought. And if you have somebody that can help walk you down that path, you're going to do some pretty cool things. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. And the adaptations that you can make, even, yeah. even as a, you know, people in their sixties have heart problems, all kinds of issues, you know, weight issues, joint yeah. issues. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. And that's, one reason I'd like to work with master cyclists is that the you can still achieve that perfect, uh, not sure. perfect. You can achieve a, a, an incredible machine of a body. Yeah, if you put the not just putting work in, but putting but being smart about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and making each ride count. So, yeah, it's amazing when you look at cyclists and triathletes for that matter, Matt. Um, when you get to a certain age and you start to compare a cyclist or a triathlete to the the average population of people, like just looking at their, their fitness, mm-hmm. looking at their overall health, looking at their youthfulness and looking at like yeah. how much energy they have and all of the little things that they do, like the, the, the whole cycling paradigm, like when you start to factor in like getting proper rest, eating the right things, um, drinking plenty of fluids, doing the right kind of training program, making sure that you're taking time off the bike when you need to take time off the bike, those things yeah. create a whole different breed of people. And I think that the world from, you know, from a rational standpoint needs to take a look at that and say, Hey, we should be doing something like that too. It doesn't have to be cycling, but you need to be doing something. Yeah. So it makes a big difference. I had my, I went to, um, had did some performance testing at a lab, um, a few weeks ago when I was back in the UK and they looked at my VO two max and it came in as above average for a 20 year old. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay, that's yeah, brilliant. That, yeah. That's brilliant. Right? And, yeah. and you know, um, my blood pressure has come down from super high blood pressure to like 112 over 64 or something. There you go. I mean, it, it yeah. just, it's been proven to put years on your life. I mean, yep. And, and it's just so much fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> so much fun. It's good years too because like when you get into your 60s and your 70s and your 80s, I, you can live a life that's going to be yeah. like just riddled with like issues and, and yeah. uh, medical this and, you know, discomfort there, this hurts, that hurts. And I'm taking all these medications. I mean, you can have that kind of life or you can have a like, well, yeah, I feel great. I've got energy and I'm going to go do all yeah. the fun things so you can really enjoy retirement. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't completely um, stop you, stop bad things no, happening but, to you. But I tell you, when I was at uh, Masters Nationals down in Albuquerque um, a couple of years ago, and I looked at the guys on the starting line with me, and they were all between 60 and 64, and I'm like, these guys look great. You know, they had that glint yeah. in their eye, they were lean. Yeah. They, were, they just looked like they were living life. And, yeah. Because they were. <laughs> we all need to be like that, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All yeah. right, anything else? Um. 
if you're interested, um, I have a website, dialedperformancecoaching.com. Yep. Cool. Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and he'll be added to. I'm um, trying to get that finished up. He'll oh, be yeah. added to the the main Dial Cycling webpage. Yeah. There'll be links there as well, so you can go right. and check that out. And maybe we'll have to put some links up in the show notes so people can go, go check out Ian Gibson. And say hi. Cool. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I love my little things <laughs> <little laughs> here. <laughs> Changing topics here. Let's uh, let's bring this guy in. Champ here. Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey is here. What's up, dude? Okay, so the UAE tour started this week, Mm -hmm. um, yesterday and today. It's been kind of exciting. Uh, The first stage was Pancake Flat, a stage for the sprinters, but they were massive crosswinds because it's in the desert where there isn't a single tree um, out there. And um, there was a split in the field with, like, how many... Don't know. Had, like like 30 miles to go or something like that. There was a split in the field. They were all echelons. Yep. They were all mm-hmm. echelons because of the crosswinds and split in the field and 10 riders got away from the whole rest of the field. And in that 10 was Remco, Evan Poole, um, uh, Caleb Ewan, oh, wow. uh, Mark Cavendish made the split. Nice. Um, Tim Merlier made the split. Um, yeah, so there was... Did they put a lot of time into the field? They put a minute into the field. And then it came down to a sprint? It came down to a sprint. Caleb win? Who won? No. Caleb... Was that 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 really... (laughs) Yes, Caleb Caleb and Tim Merlier crossed at the exact same time. Oh, boy. Like, it took 15 minutes to figure out who they won. I think that they were in the back just doing rocks, papers, and scissors to who gets like to win. They're flipping a coin. They're flipping a coin because it was that close. Wow. I saw the photo. Yeah, but they gave the win to uh, Tim earlier. That yeah. is fantastic so, racing. T- yeah, it was great racing. It was very fun. But but like all the main GC guys, except for um, Remco Evanpool, they all lost 50 seconds They wow. just on a flat stage. So Adam Yates, who was hoping to do really well at this race, is already 50 seconds down to Remco Evanpool, and it, it's kind of yeah, his race to... It's his race to lose, right? To his race point. to I guess lose, early yeah. still. So second stage was the team time trial. They haven't... We don't see team time trials very often anymore, but uh, they had a team time trial that was only like 18 Ks long this morning. I wonder if anyone's looked at the tour schedule to see if they've got a team time trial this year. Um, I, I don't, don't remember. I don't think they do. I, no I don't idea. believe they do either. Yeah. But it's just uh, a bummer because I like those. Those they're, are fun. They're cool. kind of yeah. exciting. Wouldn't it be good if we could have a team time trial over here or something? I feel oh. like they used to do that. It's been a long time well, since Well, trying, kind of. Oregon, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the Obra does a time trial state championship event where they have singles and teams. At least they have the last they couple years. To, yeah. Or did they, they missed it last year. Uh, I, don't I don't know, know. if they had a team tri- time trial last year. They have had them in the past, but it just seems like the they're always pulling it like just trying to get people to come out to do the team yeah. tri- time trial it doesn't seem like they ever have very many teams. There's not As a matter of fact, many. you and I were on a team tri- you did. time trial and together. You dropped me in like five miles. Big surprise. <laughs> puked and, rocket right all of yourself. And I puked on myself. <laughs> <laughs> so go figure. Again. Again. I puked on myself. <laughs> so yeah, the team trial time trial uh, happened this morning. Um, really quite exciting. It was only like 18 minutes because it was 18K, and they were averaging basically 35 miles an hour, these teams of seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, quick step, one by one second. 
over um, Education First, over EF. That was wow. close. So Ramco Evanpool. Um, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, he's stacked up again. So another second there. It was pretty close. So that's been kind of exciting. That's been kind of a big race. And isn't isn't the last day of that up that one hill? Is isn't it got a um, there's last, a last day climbing there, stage? Yeah, or? there's a big climbing stage tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then there's. I think there's two more stages. I think it's five days. So there's only been two. So yeah, there'll be some more climbing and Remco is poised to do well. And Adam Waits could could do well as well. He is the, you know, protected rider for Ineos for this race. And we'll see what happens there. But it should be exciting. Um Yates? Yates. He's on UAE now. Yeah, no. Yes. Adam or Simon. It's Adam. Adam Yates. I think he went over to UAE, if I'm not mistaken. I'm so confused. I'm not surprised at that at all. <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> I'm not going to look it up right now. But, uh, yeah. that it's been Who ex- cares what team yeah, he's on? Who cares? It's, it's been, been exciting races. Yeah. Yates. One of the Yates is going for it. Ye- so we'll go, see what go happens. Go Yates. Um, what else is happening? Uh, Pogaccia did five or six races last week and won all of them. Four of them. I think there's only one he didn't win. win. Machine. So he's kind of you know he he did not go to the UAE tour, um, which is kind of surprising. Which, it's his team. He was in Spain, right? Wasn't he? He's in Spain yeah. at a training camp, and he he did the stage race in Spain, and I don't know what he's doing now. Hmm. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of other racing news we're still early season I so saw, i saw some footage uh, of the tour of the algarve in portugal did you yes. watch that did you see uh pitcock going off-road on his tt bike and- yes so pitcock so pitcock was doing well mm-hmm. in that stage race um i think he was leading he was yeah, leading he, the the yeah. gc and um he was he was taking a he, he was on the time trial bike, took a corner too fast, went way up a dirt embankment on his time trial bike, Ooh. back into the road, and kept like pedaling. and kept pedaling and, and barely made it out. But he ended up like seventh on GC, and his teammate ended up winning. Mm-hmm. Martinez, I yes. believe, won that. That's cool. He's, he can time trial. Yeah, he those, can time trial. Those guys, the cyclocross team, the guys in cyclocross are like going to be the guys to beat in the next couple of weeks in the classics. Yeah. <clears throat> And the Grand Tours. I mean, it's going to be a really fun season to watch, I think. Cool. Anything else, champ? I don't think so. We've been long-winded, and I know Mr. Uh, I'm out of here. Matt. I'm out of here. We're going to do a new segment real quick called Second to Last Thing. Matt, go. Second to Last Thing. Second to Last Thing. Uh, I posted a video this week about the Apple Watch Ultra. There you go. And it was Apple Watch Ultra after 100 days. Is it crushing? Yeah, it's doing okay. I, I mean, watched it this morning. Anytime you anytime you post an Apple Watch Ultra video, it, it does pretty well on my channel. So good. Life's good. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Go do your thing. Catch you guys next week. <laughs> All right. See you, Matt. Daisy's Matt. Bye, guys. Good to see you. Yep. Me too. All right. Um, do you want to do a backpedal? You want to do one last well, second to last thing? What do you want to do here, Lance? Let's do let's go backpedal. Let's backpedal. All right. Let's backpedal. You want to start us off? I rode my bike every day when I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Apple. I can't, I can't turn it off. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> uh, no, I did have a pretty good week. We had a team ride out to Multnomah Falls, which is a gorgeous part of the Portland-Vancouver area. And we had, I don't know. All three of us here at the table were there. All three of us at the table were there. Uh, we had a great time. It was nice. It didn't rain on us. Um, we would got some work done. I, I don't know. It was it That was, was a fun ride, yeah. It was, it was a good a time. So. I was... Super happy with the fact that it 
didn't rain for starters. And the, the other thing was, is like I've been trying to all these rides that have been being posted on the weekends are very self-serving <laughs> Yes, <laughs> because I'm trying to get myself ready and I'm like, well, I might as well just post them up for everybody to come to. But um, they've been getting a little bit longer and a little bit more difficult each time. And I was just happy to see that my body was holding up to it and I didn't completely fall apart. And um, I did deal with a little bit of cramping, but that was to be expected because I pushed myself a little bit harder on some of the climbs going out and coming yeah. back. Yeah. And I started to feel that a little bit, but I'm happy that that, that felt good. But we got um, through it. Yeah, it's just so much fun going out and riding with you guys. Ride. Yeah, I got a flat time. It was like a quarter of a mile to go. You did? Yep. On, On Marine, Marine Drive? Drive. Yeah. Just oh. before you guys turned off. Oh, I was I riding the rim. Yeah. I thought that you well, you had to go to the airport. Yes, <laughs> I did. Yeah. I just thought that that's where you went. Is you peeled off and went to the airport? And I, we... I managed to <clears> ride <throat> to the airport by sitting way back on my seat. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <'Cause> front, <'cause laughs> front tire. I had like flat. five psi in the front tire. <laughs> oh, jeez. But then, uh, I, but then I went to check, I pumped it all the way up to 90 PSI and I checked it again today and it's still rock hard. So I, sealant, yep. sealant worked. Yep. Yeah. Did its thing. Yeah, Good. Fantastic. Crazy. Great ride. Anything else there, Hep? Uh, then I went on the, the junior ride yeah. on Sunday, which was also great, but I'll let you talk about that. Sure. <laughs> Ian, would you like to backpedal this past week? Um, well, I did that ride too, Multnomah Falls. And then Sunday morning, my legs were completely destroyed, but I decided to get on my time trial bike, which I haven't ridden since Baker City last year in June. So I had to get that all prepared, and I went out to Vancouver Lake and did yep. a couple of laps on the course for that's going to be our upcoming Michael Myers Memorial time trial event yes. uh, on March 19th. So we're all looking forward to that. Um, by the way, that's looking good. Registration is open for that on the Oprah website. Excellent. Um, permits in hand. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Cool. So that was good. And then uh, I've been building a shed in my backyard, getting the workout there, going to the gym, and um, generally enjoy my weekend. Killing it. Yeah. There you go. I love it. Good. Cool. My back pedal real quick was uh, trying to replicate the week prior in terms of volume and some of the intensity and got into everything, did everything up to Wednesday and then Thursday came around and the, the wheels kind of fell off. I started getting sick. There's the, the crud going around my house and I think my kids were trying to share that with me. So we, we were doing the team ride. I got about, oh, I don't know. I think it was four miles into the ride and I'm like, nope, this is not going to happen. I was like just completely fatigued and shaking, not feeling well. I'm like, well, maybe I'm just hungry. I went and ate something and tried to get back on the bike and turn the pedals over a few minutes later. And I was going to do the little like time warp thing where you can catch up to everybody on yeah. RTT. I'm like, I'll just get right back in there and they'll never know that I was gone. And I turned the pedal over about four or five times. I'm like, yeah, I need to just go sit on the couch. So I'm glad you were smart enough to do that. I am not. Yeah. So I... I <laughs> I did that, and then I completely took Friday off, knowing that the that longer ride was going to come up on Saturday. Saturday morning rolls around. I get up, and I felt like crap again. I was like, dang it. I'm like, right, hold on. Before you pull the plug on this, go sit down, get something to eat. I usually get up about 6 o'clock in the morning. The ride didn't start until 9.30. I've got some time. So I went and drank my coffee, or actually started by drinking a bunch of water, drink coffee, and then drink some more water, and then... I, I'm, I'm still feeling crappy. And I think I sent you a text saying, I, I, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be able yes. to come out there and do this. I just don't feel well. And uh, you're like, all right, I'll show up. I'll take care of it. And then, um, <laughs> you know, it pops some Advil and then just slowly started feeling better. And I went up and I went to use the bathroom because I drank like, I don't know, like 80 ounces of fluid at that point in time. I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, 
All right, Fatty, get on your bike and go ride. <laughs> don't, don't go out there. Forget this. So uh, I, I said to myself, I'm like, worst case scenario, you get out there and you get four or five miles into the ride, just turn around and go home. Not a big deal. It's relatively flat for the first 20 miles, and you'll be good. Um, jumped on the bike and actually sat at the front of the group for the first 10 miles. I went back and double-checked it, and it was exactly 10 miles until I pulled off. And then, uh, Yeah, like, you, you actually dropped us <laughs> for a moment. It wasn't that long. It, it was. It wasn't that long. But like, who was somebody was sitting in front of me, and they're like, "What is Jake doing?" And I'm like, "Well, go pull it back." He's <laughs> like, "I don't want to." So I went to the front and pulled you all the way back. Pulled everybody back to you. But yeah, so that was my only hero move kept, the whole day. Kept going, and I felt pretty good on that ride. I'm like, "All right, well, I must have shaken whatever it was." And the Advil and the coffee kicked in, and we got all the way out to Multnomah Falls, and you know, took some pictures and. Had some espresso. I don't know if we want to talk about that or not. But um, and I, I always go out there, and that's one of my favorite things about going out to Multnomah Falls is that ride. Um, espresso is an acquired taste. Not everybody likes it. I, I tend to like it, especially if you put a little bit of honey in there. And then I'll go by. They have this homemade um, fudge out there, and got some peanut butter fudge. And I always share it because I don't need all those extra calories. But that combination of those two things going back is like rocket fuel for me. I'm like, this is fantastic. So it's better than taking a gel. And uh, you know, we had the that and wrote back, and I'm like, this is great. I mean, I was dealing with a little bit of cramping towards the end, but I'm like, I, I made it back 70 miles in the books. I'm like, fantastic. This is great. So then we went out and did our juniors ride the next yeah, day, and that yeah. was a lot of fun. My legs were shattered <laughs> for the most part just because they were sore from cramping, but um, that was a fun ride with those kids. That was another 40, I think it was like 45 miles for me. So yeah. it, was, it ended up being a really good weekend. Yeah. Um, yesterday, kind of felt sore. I'm like, it's my normal day off. And then today I wake up again, I'm feeling like my body's trying to get sick. It felt like it did last week. So I'm like, oh God, here we go again. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. But you don't know, right? Until you actually get on the bike and start pedaling. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's when you're feeling at your worst that yep. you actually pull off a good ride. You don't know until, you know. Yeah. I 10, always tell 20 myself. minutes in. And that's right. I always tell myself. Just get on the bike, mm -hmm. do the first 20 minutes, warm yeah. up, get yourself kind of get the juices flowing. If you still feel like crap 20, yeah, 30 minutes into the, the ride, pull the plug, yep. go home. But, you know, and, and there's so many times where you're like, I would have done that. I would have given myself an excuse. Nope, just go out and do it. Just follow your own advice. And that's yeah. where your coach is going to jump in right in <laughs> and uh, get her done. So, yeah. anyway, it's good. Are you tired of telling your friend Jake to shut up here? Oh, shut up, Jake. Shut up, Jake. Shut up, Jake. Lance, will you stop hitting that button? I can't help it. <laughs> All right, let's jump into one last thing. Since Matt already went, Lance, you're up. Um, one last thing for me. Um, I'm actually leaving for training camp this weekend. Yep. So, I'm leaving a week early. Yep. Uh, we do have our training camp coming up in Tucson, Arizona. It is looking to be fantastic. It's going to be a good time. Yep. Uh, but I'm leaving a week early because uh, I'm going to visit kids, and I've got some other things I talked about last week um, in Utah before we're headed out. So. And he's going to go to training camp and do that for a full week, and he's going to come back and go to Hawaii for another week, and he's going to come back from that and probably go, I don't know, where are you going Straight to? Straight to Echo Red to Red. Straight to Echo, huh? Like, I get off the plane on Friday night, and I will drive straight out for the mountain bike race in, in Central Oregon, or in near Pendleton, Oregon. And he's only flying on a plane because his van does not have floats on it. <laughs> That's right. It's the only if he reason. could put some outriggers or some pontoons on it, he would be driving his van to Hawaii. <laughs> I do miss it when I go over there. It's no good. <laughs> That's it. Ian, one last thing. I don't know if I have one last thing. One no, more. If... Um, 
if anybody wants is looking for a bucket list destination to go on a dream cycling holiday, I'd highly recommend Tenerife. Oh, you yeah. were just that there not too long ago. Fabulous experience. I rented a bike there, three days of riding. I did, I put in like 1,200 TSS in the three days <laughs> I was there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, basically, oh, hotels at sea level, the top of Mount Tidy is at 7,000, and that's that's where you ride. And, <laughs> oh, my God. And you're overtaken by pros on their training camp. Uh, yeah. It, it <laughs> tell, tell, tell us who passed you when you were going up the hill. It was um, uh, David Gardou and um, Tino, Tivo Tino Pino, Pino yep. from uh, uh, Frances, uh, how do you say it? Frances de Jour. I don't Te- know. Cycling team. Anyway, yeah, those guys. And uh, Anna Demar, I think, was there. Wow. They all came past me. And I, I actually got on their wheel for probably 500 meters or so. But yeah. the difference was they were just talking to each other and you having were. a conversation and I was about to puke. <laughs> <laughs> just drilling it. Yeah. I love that. It was a good experience though. I'm definitely, I'm going to go back again. I've actually been twice now and it's uh, great. Cool. Yeah. How long does it take to get there? How long of a flight is that for you? It, well, it's difficult from the States. I don't, I think you can, you could fly from the East Coast to Spain and then across, but um, I was back in the UK anyway, visiting family. Gotcha. Do and they have an, there? It's like a four and a half, four, four and a half hour flight. Is it an? Does it have an international airport, or is it uh, one yeah. of those things where you have to fly over to Spain and then puddle jump over? No, it's an international airport. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got to check that out one of these days. Oh yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Need to retire. We should, we should have a dial training camp there. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Well, let's anyway. see if we can get. Who, who do you work for? Alaska Airlines? Let's see if we can get them to sponsor us some plane tickets. <laughs> don't fly to the Canary <laughs> Islands. <laughs> do they have a sister company that they work with? <laughs> All right. Um, my one last thing is, uh, well, kind of two things. One is thanking Ian for coming in. And again, go check out Ian on his website, um, dialedperformancecoaching.com. And then you can go to dialedcycling.com here very soon and, and get more information and links over to his stuff. Uh, you can also check him out on Strava, and if you get some, you want some coaching stuff, come talk to him. He's a he's a great guy, and I think uh, I think you would really thank yourself. He's not going to steer you wrong. Uh, the other thing is that he touched on, and it's coming up very soon again, is the Michael Myers Memorial Time Trial. If you are interested in signing up for that race, um, first and foremost, we do have a bunch of information on that on our website. Again, Dowd Cycling, and you can go into the team section, and there's a whole page dedicated to just that. And we're going to have a lot of cool stuff going on out there. Again, we're going to try and outdo what we did last year, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Um, and then there will be links, or you can just go to the Oregon Bicycle Racing Association's website, obra.org, and you can look at the calendar. And that's on March 19th. There will be a link there that you can go get yourself registered. Uh, Pre-registration is 35? I think so, yeah. 35. And then we do have day of registration for $40. Um, It'll be juniors categories, eddy categories. And the eddy category, for those that don't know, is where you can go out there and ride on just your standard road bike. There's no aerodynamic... you know, helmets and skin suits and aero bars and all that stuff are allowed in that category. And that's always the biggest category out there. There's by far and away the most riders in that. Uh, we will be having E8 chip timing coming back again, um, which was absolutely fantastic last year. So we'll have instant results that will be posted for everybody to see, including yourself, um, before you even get back to the staging area. And it'll probably even get texted to you before that as well. 
to get your times. Um, we are thinking about potentially having split times again if we can find somebody who wants to sponsor that. So if you're listening to this and you want to sponsor that, I think it's about $300 um, for a split. So where we have the time trial out at Vancouver and Lake, it's kind of an out and back. So it, it doesn't start and finish at the same spot, but they're close. But the there is a, a, an outward point that that's kind of known as the halfway point where you do a turnaround. And if we have a sponsor that might want to come on and sponsor that, um, we can provide some splits so you can see how you compare to everybody else uh, on the way out as well as what your second half time was. So that would be kind of a cool thing to have. And uh, yeah, just go check that out. Register, put it on the the map. Um, you never know what the weather, weather, but I've never not gone to that race because of the weather and it's threatened everything from snow to 60 degree sunshine and everything in between. And I've never regretted doing that race once. It's yeah. always been a blast. As a matter of fact, I think if I looked at my time hop right this morning was the first time I did that race seven years ago, mm-hmm. which commemorates what, Lance? What does that commemorate? The... The first time we ever met, Jake. There we go. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about that this past weekend. Um, it was at the t- Jack, Ch- Jack Frost time trial, and I was racing for Monster Media, and I still didn't know very many people. Um, I knew just a couple people on the team and just a small handful of people here locally, and I was just riding on Strava and just kind of making friends as I was going, and I still had never met Lance, but I think he had connected with me on Strava. I'm like, oh, here's another person. Cool. And I'm lined up at the start house, and um, I think I'm like second or third in line getting ready and like kind of getting in the zone, and I hear out of this the corner of my eye, I see this guy and I hear this, Hey, are you Jake Von During? <laughs> I'm like, who what? the heck knows my name? <laughs> I looked over. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm Lance Hapler. I'm like, Oh, Hey Lance. He ran over and shook my hand. And he's like, Hey, nice to meet you. I've seen you on Strava. I'm like, all right, cool. So, and then shortly after that, we probably started doing some riding and here we are today. Kind of funny how it all came together. Obviously, I have a Strava problem. <laughs> Clearly. No, but we've talked about it so many times. Wouldn't know hardly anybody here if it weren't such thing as Strava. That's I mean, true. I I probably if I didn't ride bikes, I mean, I just have a whole different life in general. But I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. The 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 people, the the cycling community, just all of the fun that I've had. I I wouldn't if you told me like, hey we can take away getting hit by a car and, and almost getting killed and your shoulder getting torn out of your body and all these other things, like we would make that all go away, but you lose all the cycling stuff. I wouldn't trade it. It wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would, I would yep. say just leave me right where I'm at. I'm perfectly content and we're all good. So I crazy agree. times. Cool. Anything else guys? Well, let me just say that that weekend, uh, March 18th and 19th, Correct. it's going to be a great kickoff weekend for the, um, racing calendar here yeah. in Pacific Northwest. We've got our race on the Sunday, which is going to be killer. And then um, our friends at Pacific Office Automation are putting on the Paper Town Classic out at Longview in uh, southwest Washington. That's on Saturday the 18th. Yeah, that's That is a, sort of a rerunning of the old Dirty Circles race and that. Same blast as well. Same concept, just going to be relatively flat and just doing laps around. It's not going to be the same course. Exactly. So it should be a lot of fun. It's a good early season. Just kind of come test out your fitness. If you're worried about getting dropped, you know, it's flat. I mean, yes, there are going to be tax. There are going to be surges. There's going to be all of those things. But those early season races, especially if you're riding in the lower categories, are generally just like a big giant bunch sprint at the end. And if you want to get mixed up in that, you can, or if you just want to sit on and, and conserve, you can do that and stay with the group knowing that there's not going to be some long, crazy climb that's going to separate the entire field. So if you want to try out some bike racing, that might be a really good place yeah. to go start. 
Yeah, be a good weekend. That was the so the the time trial was the very first road race that I had done when I moved here because I had I only had mountain yeah. bike racing experience, and then the following weekend was doing dirty circles, and that was my very first road race, and it was the same concept and had a blast doing that. So that was my very first road race as well, and Jake and I ended up in a break together. We did. We did. Okay. I just didn't stay with the break. <laughs> <laughs> But but Chris Surratt was in there, Andy Levine, um, I remember Steele. Yeah, I remember Andy and Greg because they're, they're super tall guys. They, yeah. they're, they're big. They're just like these. You know, Andy's standing there. He's got this like um, arrow helmet on with the big visor on it, and he's got this Audi kit on. He just looks like a really tall, screen, skinny, lean roadie. And then uh, Greg's there with him too. And I think that was like early in Greg's racing career as well. It may have been. And uh, he was looking big just standing next to him. And he was buddies with Andy. And Andy brought him out to start racing. I'm like, oh, gosh, this is going to suck. I'm going to get destroyed in this thing. And it ended up being a really fun race. We all we were all in a break together. Yeah. There's there's a picture of us all yep. like in the same like pace line. Yep. And we, none of us knew each other. And now <laughs> we're all friends. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I think I ended up getting second in that race. Um, who was it? Oh gosh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I'm John saying, Hinkle. John Hinkle was it? He jumped off the back, and I was in the wrong position, boxed in, and yeah, he ended up surprising everybody, and he he got us. And I I needed like I don't know like 20 more meters or something like that to come around, but um, I, I don't even know if I would have caught him, but good on him. But yeah. I, I came back out for round two and took round two. Yeah. So, <laughs> All right, that's enough. Uh, we will be back next week with another one of these. Thank you for listening, and until then, bye for now.